Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Clack Box. If you are listening on any platform, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you are listening on iTunes, please leave a review on any platform you are. It'd be awesome to hear your comments and feedback. Um, I am actually on the road at my sister's house, um, and her daughter, Abby, is just fell over something, and we laughed at it, so it's pretty funny. Um yeah, so we're here with Tara Clackler, who technically is my sister-in-law, who was also a student in my youth ministry, to tell you how old I was, or I am, and uh, so known her a long time before she was my sister, I knew her, and so uh, she is here, her daughter Abby is here hanging around, so if you hear some noise in the background, it's just Abby, uh, my beautiful niece being crazy and silly, so uh, hi Tara. Hi. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I'm good, you're going to get a little... Okay, is that better? How's that? Good. Okay. Um, so we're here in your house. Yeah. We like are. Your house. We're in my living room. Thank we you. We are in your living I room. I do love my house. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're very jealous of your kitchen, actually. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of work went into that. <laughs> we talked about it often. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so we're here. So we, you and I have, so we're working on, um, you were 15 when we met? Yeah, I think so. And you're... More than 15 now. <laughs> so we've known each other I'm for... Only 29. I'm yeah. just kidding. We've known each other for... Uh, we'll just say almost like, 20 years. Almost 20 years. Yeah. Which is a long time. Yeah. It is a long um, time. Over half your life. Yeah. I've known you over half your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, really cool mm-hmm. knowing you. You've... I said, you, you, you were my sister-in-law. You sang at my wedding. Yes. Our wedding. Uh-huh. Um, and that was awesome. Yeah. A lot, we've gone through a lot of life together. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially you and Allison, mm-hmm. especially in the last few years, which mm-hmm. I love. Yeah. Love that. Um, so you and I could talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. We could talk about, you spent time at Belmont and Nashville. Yep. And you have a degree from there. Yes. Commercial music degree. Commercial music degree. Uh-huh. Abby's beatboxing. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to shatter glass ceilings because, you know, that's a male dominated field. Yeah. <laughs> She's gonna have some kind of base going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, then, uh, so so Belmont lived there for a while. Mm-hmm. Eleven years in Nashville. Wow. Yeah. Came back five years ago, like this week, this coming week. Really? Yeah. You've been back five years already. Yeah, I know. Thank goodness. How long have you been back? Two and a half years. From over two Idaho. and a half years yeah. from Idaho. Thank so goodness. we were. We've actually been back longer than we were there. Yeah. Good. We're, thank goodness. Glad you're here. We we're glad to be back. <laughs> Um, we could talk about that. We could talk about the music industry because you know I have so many thoughts and opinions and questions mm-hmm. on that. <laughs> right? So do I. <laughs> and so do you. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uh, we could talk about worship. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I could go on for days. Which is a huge passion of both of ours. We'll touch on it a little. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I have a passion to sing. You have a passion to sing well. <laughs> It's okay. You have the Clackler curse. <laughs> the Clackler curse. You all sing in the key of X is what I like to say. <laughs> we have Ellie, though. That's true. Our Ellie's, saving grace is yes, Ellie. Yes, Ellie's going to fix it all. Thank <laughs> Abby goodness. might as well. We, she likes to sing. We have, we have, maybe it's a new generation of stuff. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were praying the other day, and you guys were at our house the other day, and I threw out the conversation. What I was amazed by you, what God's done in your life over the last few years, was this... Um, you didn't wait for a level of healing to move forward, right? And to move and to, to walk, start walking down a path, even the path of um, starting to sing again, mm-hmm. seeing God use you mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us, I think, we wait for a level of healing before we move forward. We right. feel like I've got to stay here and 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 get some form of being whole or whatever. Yeah. 
and then we move forward. Right. So I want to talk about your journey of healing. Yeah. And I may ask some questions as we go. Definitely. But do you want to introduce that topic sure. a little bit or do you want me to introduce the scenario of that? I can introduce it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you interject if there's anything I miss because you've seen it from an outsider's view. And so I think that your observation of it is really valid and probably helpful for those listening since I was kind of, you know, in the middle of it. Sometimes I don't know what was happening on the peripheral. But okay. um, so to, yeah, to set the stage, as I, I like to call it, my elevator speech of my life um, is, you know, at 21 weeks pregnant, the day before my 12 year anniversary with my ex-husband, who is your brother, um, I um, we sat down and had a really long conversation where he shared with me that he was in love with someone else that from his past that I didn't know existed. And um, so that kind of jump started, you know, obviously trauma, but it also jump started about a year and a half process of healing and a journey that I would say is like as on epic proportions as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it feels like <laughs> that I went to Mordor. I mean, I've done all my the things. Precious. Yes. Yeah, I've, that's terrible. I've tried I'll to find my precious. Never do that again. Sorry. <laughs> Please don't. Um, so um, anyway, so as I was thinking through and as you and I talked about setting up for this, I felt that what would be most helpful for those listening is, is not just hearing about the trauma and, you know, I, I don't, I, I fortunately the Lord really helped me not to ever have a victim mentality. So really it was more of looking at my journey as how do I turn this into an opportunity and become a victor through it? How do I actually mm. catapult myself from this trauma into even greater growth? And so I can tell you sitting here today that my life looks better now than it did that the day before that terrible day where I had that conversation and I didn't think that was possible, but it was, and it's what happened. Um, so that's, that's pretty much the notes that I put together was how the Lord kind of curated and aggregated all of these different pieces of healing, um, to kind of, when you look back, you see the big picture. So one of the things that someone shared with me, I can't remember who, um, was that it's like a tapestry. If you ever see how, tapestries are put together yeah they're beautiful on the front but on the back it's like a hot mess of thread and string and it looks crazy right and so that's what I feel like the, the healing journey is is that the it's putting together this beautiful picture but all I could see was the back of it <laughs> so it's just like these are knots and string hanging everywhere and it looks like a giant mess and so but when you turn it around you're like, you're like oh, oh. <laughs> so that's what basically a year and a half of that has been happening um so that's kind of what what I've prepared and what I wanted to share um, is just all those different pieces. And I think what's important to, to know about and what's frustrating, it's just incredibly maddening mm -hmm. is that this whole, the whole process of like, and you'll probably reference this, this verse mm -hmm. is that um, the good works that God has done in you, he will finish. Mm -hmm. Like I will finish the good works that I've started in you. Mm -hmm. And, and so yes, we do have this cataclysmic moment mm -hmm. that's, started this mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean there wasn't was it the the healing and what was going on wasn't before that mm -hmm. and it wasn't after that now you do have this peak and i'm not diminishing the peak of right, that right. that kind of like oh here we are mm -hmm. there's there's the wound there's the salt you there's the cut you ripped me open all that yeah but so i think i don't want to highlight too much on on that right right um but you have this moment and you're wounded. Mm -hmm. You're ripped open. Mm -hmm. Everything's on the floor. Yeah. Where, what do you do? Where do you go? 
Oh, man. Um, I will tell you that looking back on that piece, like, you know, what, what I want to encourage people who may be finding themselves in that place is you don't even know if you can breathe, right? You, you're not even sure you can get up, get out of bed, function. I forgot to eat. Like, mm. it was, and I was pregnant, so I was losing weight while I was pregnant. My midwives were getting upset with me. Um, and so I think well, all you can do in that is just literally cry out for help and involve people community that was probably one of the first pieces was that i can't <laughs> i think abby is saying caca that's great <laughs> um but i i really i wouldn't say there's any like big wonderful thing that helps you heal in the midst of just the initial wound it's really just stay alive function survive um and the best way that i knew to do that was to ask for help and so i mean that even that day the first thing i did was get in my car and drive to my parents house at midnight at night I could hardly see, but that's where I knew to go. I knew to go to people who love me and would take care of me, and that's essentially what started it and letting them in. I think that's good because I, I, I kind of, as we're talking about the C2 forms of, of pain, mm-hmm. of hurt, mm-hmm. of wounding, being, of being wounded is you have this, this a moment of it where like even like stuff blindsides you. Yeah. But you do have a it's – a, it's a longer story mm-hmm. in that. So there's almost two types. Mm-hmm. So on the type of like – I just got hit by a truck. Mm-hmm. What your first move was to go directly to whoever it was knew loved you yeah. through it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's normal? Um, I think that I don't know if I would call it normal. I don't, I don't know that there is a normal in that, you know, it's, mm. you're not built for that. It's not supposed to happen. Your, your body, your brain, your, your psyche, your emotions, your spirit, none of that is supposed to ever happen to you. So um, it's its functioning within the most dysfunctional moment that you're going to experience. So I think that for me, it was what are my other options? My other option was to internalize and try to deal with it on my own, which I think a lot of people do. And that's what I was going to ask. Are you a mm-hmm. hider? Um, I was. I think I would have hid. Yeah, I was. Um, I think one of the benefits of this last season was it drove me back to community because for you know about a decade I locked everyone out of my life and I just kind of internalized and became apathetic and bitter and tired and um, just functioned every day without really letting people see what was really going on and I was also 700 miles away from everyone that loved me so it was easy to do right you could put on this face I only saw him two or three times a year so I could say yeah everything's great (laughs) and it wasn't well we've and and my I've shared this mm-hmm. that my response to a lot of that was you you take my I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw this on anybody else mm-hmm. I will own this mm-hmm. my role was how you doing and it stopped mm-hmm. there was no really hardcore press mm-hmm. into like really mm-hmm. like you're really doing good like yeah. to, to anybody mm-hmm. involved in the situation mm-hmm. while y'all were in nashville mm-hmm. and i and i and i so i'm not putting that on anybody else i know that that was you know i don't know how other people handled it right you know um well i can speak i mean for my family healthy boundaries is a really important piece of of how we all function and so if i'm not letting you in then how far can you push it you know it's like there's there's a a point where my parents would try or my friends or my brother you know would try but when i when i'm not willing there's not much they can do so is it i had to own that was there a version of not willing or and or not realizing 
Uh, no, I think it was more of a pride of I don't want people to see um, because in generally in life I have my stuff together. You know, like I, I generally am pretty um, – I don't know, successful at whatever I put my mind to. Um, you can look at my career, even as a mother, like I take those things very seriously, sure. can control it. And my marriage wasn't that way. And so I saw it as a failure. I saw that I failed and I didn't want people to see that because I was prideful. And so it was really vanity and and just, you know, I... Pride. Yeah, totally. Totally pride. Yeah, absolutely. And also my, the image that my family had of me, I wanted to maintain that, you know, the, the terror that they saw before is who I wanted to still be. Um, so I tried really hard to continue to paint that picture. So I was very aware. Um, and I, you know, I, I worked very hard. So, so that kind of, so that kind of closed off a little bit of the community. Yeah, absolutely. So now you have this moment. So your first response, even knowing you had kind of blocked out community a little mm-hmm. bit authentic mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. was to not hide right and no matter what the cost jump right into it absolutely because because you drive to your parents that mm-hmm. night at midnight mm-hmm. it's a 30 yeah 30 drive mm-hmm. that's a lot of time to stop and turn the car around right knowing that all of a sudden out of nowhere i've got to let all yes. of the walls down yep and they're gonna see into absolutely mm-hmm. everything yep yeah and I know your parents. Your parents are just amazing people. They are, yeah. I respect and love your mom. Uh, your dad a little. <laughs> Tim, a little bit. But your mom? Oh, yeah. For sure, right? Yeah. She's kind of been my mom for a long time. Yeah. She's known me since I was eight, 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and you worked with her, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm just kidding, Tim. Don't hate me. <laughs> but um, uh, Mama Gina, you're great. Mm-hmm. Um you kind of there was a predictable response though even though you were letting everything down i guess that's what i'm trying to get to yeah you knew there was going to be a predictable response but i think a lot of us hide oh yeah so what motivated you to not hide um so i didn't know how to function i mean being pregnant i think chain was a game changer i think if i hadn't been pregnant i would have handled everything very differently but when you have a human life inside of you that you're responsible for their destiny, their emotional well-being. And, you know, I've, I've done enough research to believe that babies can experience trauma in the womb. You know, I've, I've read about it and I understand that. So it was like, how do I go about this the best way possible to protect her and set her up for success? Right. And I can do it on my own. And I knew that. And who loves her more than I do, or at least as much as I do, her grandparents. Arguably, she loves them more than she loves me. <laughs> Last night, oh, Gigi, Papa, Gigi, Papa. Um, so the more, the more she realizes the gifts that come, it'll get worse. <laughs> yeah. So she, um, she was definitely a, a huge factor in how my healing went. Was because I wasn't just doing it for me, you know. And I think I would have probably internalized more if it had just been me. I probably would have like turned to alcohol. I'm not kidding when I say that. Like, there's times where I just wish I could have just drowned out everything, but I couldn't. Right. You know, I, a lot of the coping mechanisms people use in trauma weren't available to me. Because do you feel like that was God's provision and protection? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Um, um, it definitely made me legacy minded. It made me like, you know, 10 years from uh, now, that's, that's how do good. I, yeah, how do I want, like, even now I make choices based on how I would have a conversation with her around them. So when she's old enough to understand what's happening or what happened, um, I want to be able to say, mommy, did everything she could mommy put you first mommy put us first and so that definitely was a game changer as to how I made choices and decisions 
Um, and it's al- almost to the point where I don't think, you know, people look at me and they're like, I couldn't have done what you what you did. And I'm like, well, I would have said the same thing if I was in your shoes looking. But when you have a human inside of you, it, you know, it should change everything. And I, and I say this a lot about um, people because uh, I'm getting amazed with, with people who, have can- who get cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you have, like, the only way to discover if you have it is to walk through it. Mm-hmm. So then we, we, we don't hide. We try to see the light at the end of the tunnel, which a lot of people say that, like, "Oh, it, this too shall pass." Right. And when you're you're when you're in no. the pan, you're like, oh, "Shut up! <laughs> yeah. I want to punch you." I'm flipping people off in, inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Jesus like, inside of me loves you, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Okay, sure," um, and it does, and they're right, um, but at the time, it didn't. But you just it didn't really speak volumes. Strangle. Yeah, yeah. So then, so then what? Um. Well, you know, one of the things I think you and I were talking about before we started recording was the the whole principle of healing is a process and a journey. It is not a destination. You do not just arrive mm-hmm. there. You don't mm-hmm. just do one thing and you become healed. Um, so for me, I remember having... So one of the first things I'll say is get a therapist. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. If you don't have one. Yeah. If you don't have one, you need one. And, and we're not kidding about that. No, I'm not like joking it's, it's at all. It's always good to have... what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because you haven't gone through something doesn't mean you don't need one. Right. And if everyone wants to find me, my name is Tara Clackler, and I can refer a really wonderful one. Um, But so that was even a divine thing, too. I was at my chiropractor um, who I found online because I was looking for a prenatal certified one. And I'm I'm face down on her table. She's adjusting me and she's like, "Um, what's going on with you? And I hadn't I was. Even though I'd gone run to my family. Totally forgot about this. Oh, yeah. Even though I'd run to my family, I wasn't telling other people. Like a lot of my extended family had no idea because I was really trying to honor him and cover him with the hope that there would be reconciliation. And I didn't want to make it harder on him than it had to be. And so I really didn't tell a lot of people. I mean, you remember it took me forever to finally tell Allison and, and you loop you all in. But um, so I'm face down. My chiropractor, who is an amazing Christian and very intuitive and, you know, very strong Holy Spirit um, on her. She was like, what's going on with you? And um, I'm face down and I just burst into tears. And I'm mm. like, uh, ah, you know, and I, I fill her in. And she was like, oh, she goes, I could feel something. She's like, can I pray over you? So she did. And then she was like, well, I, I can recommend a good therapist. So she did. Um, she recommended Jessica, who's, who's my therapist. And I've seen her now almost for two years. Um, and she she's EMDR certified. She's LPC. So I recommend someone who can toggle between dealing with trauma, the psychological aspect. But she's also equipped in like the freedom ministry at my church too, okay. in her healing. Um, so she could do all three things and kind of transition depending yeah, on what I needed. Right. So okay. she kind of approached me from more of a holistic aspect. Um, and so I, re- I highly recommend that. But anyways, part of what she helped me see is that movement is key. Doesn't matter how far, if it's an inch. Like if you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. If you can't crawl, get someone to push you. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> like that. You just have to move. And a lot of times when you're in a, a relational trauma where there's another factor, another person, you're waiting for them to do something. You're hoping that whatever you do is going to push them as well. Mm. And she would say, hey, that's our hope. But even if he never moves or even if he regresses or even if he walks away completely, which is what essentially happened, you still moved, right? You're still a mile ahead from where you were before. And that's the key here is your movement, your healing. Um, Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. Do you think, so I talk, I think it's really important, my opinion, is to uh, 
not lose your identity mm-hmm. to anyone, mm-hmm. even a marriage. You can mm-hmm. have an amazing marriage. I think Alice and I have an amazing marriage, but we don't lose our identity to mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. Kind of what we were referencing about my tattoo on my arm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I'm tatted up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, It does a- look really good for those listening. Oh. I mean, I my response was, I wouldn't put that on my body, but it looks great. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but I, so do you... I totally forgot now where I was going with this. Uh, do, you, do you think that that movement, um, like you just said, whether they move, whether mm-hmm. it's a relational or, mm-hmm. or not, no matter what happens to them, mm-hmm. you movement for you is a part of solidifying your own identity. It's a part mm-hmm. of, have I lost myself too much to them mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to where they, they dictate the healing? Mm-hmm. Right. They dictated the wound. Now do they dictate the healing? Right. Versus, am I going to have move move it myself? Right. Well, and that was that was a huge part. So one of my you know list of a dozen things that the Lord uh, curated for me for healing was returning to myself. You know, one of the um, one of the things that um, was a huge part of my healing, which we'll get to, is worship and music and stuff. But lyrics are a huge um, important thing to me. And so I think there's a Rita Springer song that says, "When I um, it's in Defender." Um, when I lost myself or, you know what I'm talking about? Gosh, now I'm drawing a blank, but you, I, you picked up all my pieces. You put me back together. You want your blanket? Go get your blanket. Um, uh, when I thought I lost myself, you knew where I left me. Something like that. When I lost myself, you knew where I left me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you reintroduced me to myself basically. And so like that, I'm, I'm butchering it, but that those were some of the lyrics that were important to me was, I did. I had lost myself. To your point, within that relationship, my identity had gotten very covered up and buried. So, um, as soon as this started, oh, can I interrupt? Yeah, I'm a jerk. What? I feel like God's telling me something. Okay. So I think pain leads us away from our true self. I think. I think it, it, it highlights our cope. The, we get these coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that don't necessarily, they're coping mechanisms. They're not dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, and, and I think for you particularly, and if I'm jumping off a cliff that, that there was no parachute, I apologize. <laughs> but I think for you, I'll tell you, we, you, you have these two things, two things with pain. You and I've never really talked about this. So this is going to get raw. Okay. I think you have these two things. I'm not scared. Okay. Like the moment mm-hmm. and the history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, through the history, mm-hmm. you are slowly being chiseled away mm-hmm. from your natural tendency mm-hmm. of what you were mm-hmm. with a coping mechanism. I think it was so slow. It was kind of like the frog in the boiling water yeah, thing. Yeah, absolutely. So you gra- gravitated away from, from worship. Right. Yeah. Is that a fair? <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Which is a natural thing of who God's created you to be. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you were a tribe, you'd be a Levite, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the whole absolutely. Thing. So that's why I think this was a key part of God bringing you back mm-hmm. to you, mm-hmm. because it's naturally who you were, right? Okay, so that I wanted to get that in there, absolutely. But I think yeah. it's so key to the mm-hmm. context of mm-hmm. of for you of God reintroducing you to you. Mm-hmm. So now we're in this moment. How did worship come in right. to play to it? Well, if I can step back, though, because I'm thinking of the listener, it's not about worship or singing for everyone. It's about who 
who God created you to be your gifting. So like for, yeah. <laughs> I have this cool story. So I was in an Uber recently cause I travel for work some and um, the woman, I mean, I barely had gotten in her vehicle. I was shutting the door and she was like, I don't have many girlfriends. I need dating advice. And I was like, what the heck, you know, what, <laughs> what kind of Uber did I just get into? And um, Oops, Uber. yeah, I was like, Oh man. And I'm tired. You know, I'm on a trip. I got a little critical internally, you know, cause I can do that where I'm like snarky inside and um, and she starts to share with me about this man that she's been dating and her husband died a year ago. And and as I start to hear her story unfold, I feel the Holy Spirit say, hey, I put you here. Like, get your mm. crap together. Stop being a jerk. I was like, OK. So I had to quickly shift internally. Um, but as I began to listen to her, um, I heard I heard her saying, you know, that she was basically repeating cycles of a former abusive relationship. And I thought this isn't good. And I just said, Hey, can I be bold? You've invited me in and you asked for my advice. You're not ready to date. And she was like, you're right. I'm not. And, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, listen, sister, here's my story. Here's what I've been through. And here's how I've gotten to the point where I do think I am ready to date finally. And thank you, Abby. She's putting a blanket on me saying blanket. Um, so anyways, one of the pieces of advice I gave her and, and this is what I would say as it relates to worship for me or singing for me is that, when you begin to go through healing and go back to the giftings and the things that you care about, then you start to uncover who you are. And that's part of healing. So for me, it was singing. Um, so you've referenced, I have a music degree, um, went to Belmont and graduated in 07. And I think the last time I sang publicly was in 07. And I think I sang at my brother's wedding after that once. So maybe one other time. But, um, so yes, you're right. The, the pain and the slow, erosion of um, what I thought was supposed to be my marriage, like all of those things contributed to a large amount of apathy. And that apathy caused me to just kind of stop doing what I cared about. And so I stopped singing for 10 whole years, you know, and then all this went down in 2017 and it was like that 10 10 year mark and everyone and you included like you're what's wrong, honey? What's the matter? I think she bumped the, the table. Are you okay? Did you bump the table? Bad table. Me, Shame me. on you, table. Said, you me, get me. that table. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, because I, 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 tr- I try to consider myself to be a bold person. Mm-hmm. And I think in the midst of everything that was going on, I was like, hey, you want to sing at church? Yeah. <laughs> well, and you weren't the only one, but you were one that actually made it practical. You know, um, there was several people that came to me and said, hey, the Lord is saying that um, you're going to have to sing your way out of this you're going to have to worship and that's where you're going to find some healing. Um, and it became survival. Like I honestly haven't listened to anything but worship music for two straight years. Like recently a friend was like, have you heard of this band? And I'm like, nope, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on out there in the music world because I had to bury myself in worship. My, my TV had, you know, Bethel worship on it 24 seven for almost two years. Um, and so that was how I survived, but I did, I started singing and at first it was just in my house, you know, and then it was, um, you asking me to come help with youth. I'm giant pregnant up there on the stage. Like first time I've led worship ever probably. And then you introduced me to the, you know, the creative team in the big church. (laughs) And then, um, they asked me to sing a Lady Gaga song, uh, which was weird. That was my fault. That was my suggestion. I did No, it was good. It was, but. (laughs) Look, let's, okay, let's let's talk about this for a second. It was, (laughs) we're serving playing and I asked you. Trying not to cry during it. I asked you during the midst of all of this to sing a million 
pieces. <laughs> reasons. Or a million reasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a jerk. But let's just put it out there. Yeah. I, like, what were we? What was that? What was that series? This is us. It was the This is us series. Yeah. Talking about commitment. Right. And I asked you to sing a million reasons. Yeah. 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 The sermon was about like forgiveness and reconciliation. <laughs> and that was when I was still in the midst of believing for that. So it was like, Lord, I'm just going to do this in faith. And um, and everybody that like there wasn't a whole lot of people that knew the story, but there was a couple of people that knew from, that were just like from leadership. Yeah. yeah. Just like Cody's a jerk for asking, <laughs> but how is she even doing this? Yeah. Well, but again, even back to your point earlier, it's healing is putting one foot in front of the other. It's not having arrived like I wasn't in a place where I was reconciled and could speak from like testimony. I was in still in the process of walking it out. None of us knew what was going to happen, but yet I still got up there and sang that song and I meant it, you know, right. you've given me a million reasons, but yet I'm still standing here and I'm enduring and I'm still your wife and I'm still fighting for this. And, um, you know, and I had people in my life, my dad, um, who would say you're wasting your love on him because he, he doesn't get this. And, and I remember thinking, am I, am I an idiot? Like, why am I still sitting here enduring this? And I still felt the Lord wanted me to, and I was being obedient. But one thing my therapist said is she was like, this isn't for him. This is for you. Like you're learning how to love unconditionally. You this know? is you learning to love unconditionally. Right. And it, whether I get the reap the reward with him or someone else, I'm still learning something that's being forged in fire. You know, it's well, like Mordor. Yeah, Mordor. <laughs> Aren't you your foot? Let me see. Aren't you God's God's goal in all of us is to get him, get us to be more like him. Right. So mm-hmm. this is really hard to say, but aren't you having to become more like him? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Through all that. Yeah. There, it reminds me of one day I, I um, you know, it was really hard to function, obviously, especially in the first few months after everything. And so I'd be sitting there working, staring at my computer. Fortunately, I worked from home. Thank the Lord. Um, but I would be you know, staring at my laptop and it'd be like 2 PM. I'm like, I I don't know what to do. So I would just get up and go walk, you know, in my neighborhood and there's a little trail. So I was walking down the trail one day and the Lord said, um, are you ready to partner with me? It's like, what do you mean? Um, you and I love him more than anyone in this entire world. Will you partner with me to love him? You're like, no, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no. I said, yes. I was like, absolutely. And so it was, it was really a journey of, Jesus and I hand in hand loving him, you know, and I mean, you have, you know, his story, right? Better than probably me prior to meeting him, obviously yours brother. But, um, I don't know that he had had anyone love him unconditionally in that way ever in his life. Um, so even to this day, as much as, you know, there's parts of me that are like, I don't get it. Like, why Lord, did you have me do all these things? But at the same time, like, hi, hi. <laughs> he knows what that looks like now, you know? Hold me. Oh, I love you. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, golly, that's so darn cute right there. Abby just hugged me. Hold yeah. you. Hold you. <laughs> um, so you're, 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 you're starting to walk through. He, you said sing your way out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? Um, I think it's, for me, it was, this is what I was built to do. So again, for whomever's listening, what are you built to do? What com- makes you come alive? And especially if you haven't done it and for a, a long time, like that, the Lord built you to do that. So when you do what you're built for, you're operating out of not just who you are, but what the kingdom looks down and goes, oh, finally Tara's doing what she's supposed to do. Like that's going to hit heaven harder than anything else. Right. And so for me, um, singing, which is, it's so funny because now when I sing, like I went to a worship concert the other night 
and I was I'm glad it was really loud in there because I was singing so hard and so loud <laughs> that like I would have blown someone's eardrums out um, had they you know had it been quieter but you know in that moment I feel completely myself and like I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do well, uh, I want to throw this out there because mm-hmm. I think too like well I sing too right I do I sing mm-hmm. I'm, you never want to stand next to me <laughs> at during worship right especially like at camp it's on um, it's a joyful note but I don't <laughs> but I, I I don't think God's looking down and going like I know he's enjoys it that's yeah, not what I'm saying absolutely. but for me mm-hmm mine thing mm-hmm. is when I get out on the soccer field, mm-hmm. even if it's just a kid's soccer practice mm-hmm. and I got the ball at my feet, I think God's going like he's entertained mm-hmm. by that. Mm-hmm. Right. Even mm-hmm. though it's just a kind of a weird, I don't do it all the time now or whatever. I think that's when he's like mm-hmm. super entertained. And so yeah. I think for you, and so there's other people, it could be, um, you know, I think a lot of people would assume that's like when I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. No, I think God's like, yeah, I, I, I put that in him, mm-hmm. but that's not, so for other people, it could be like, um, if we, if it's organization, that's your thing, mm-hmm. right? And God's like, yes, now I'm yeah. enjoying watching you mm-hmm. organize this, mm-hmm. or I'm enjoying watching you do this. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, whatever it is that makes someone tick, yeah. Um, and I think God puts something unique. I mean, my dad, it's flying. Like, he feels closest to God, and he feels at peace when he's flying. And he went years and years and years without flying an airplane. Maybe I should clarify <laughs> Not just randomly flying. And then that would be amazing. Yeah. American Airlines. I got to book a flight just so I can fly. No. He has a small No one champ. feels close to God. <laughs> no. Not when you're breathing recycled farts. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. He has a, a single. Yeah, yeah. Little champ. Yeah. But anyways, he didn't have that for a long time. And so he went years of flying. And now he does, you know. So his, it's a... Uh, your mom when she's doing bookkeeping yeah (laughs) man that woman can work so hard harder than anyone i know but anyways yes she's cefo and something she's in her wheelhouse (laughs) yeah till four in the morning she just works her tush off but anyways um so yeah i would say whatever it is that makes you tick and a lot of times people don't know you know i know people that are like i don't know and i would i would argue that maybe it's because you haven't gone through your healing because when you start to pursue healing those things will start to bubble up because they're part of your healing. Like the Lord will bring them up. So if you don't know what makes you tick, you don't know your passions, you're kind of like, I have no idea, then go get a therapist (laughs) because there's something there. Well, and try, just try things. Mm -hmm. Like you said, movement. It just Mm -hmm. takes a step. Yep. Take One of the uh, pieces of healing for me was I went to, I'm on the board for a professional association, Association of Talent Development. And uh, one of the speakers talked about prototyping your life. And so if there's something that interests you, go do it. If you have to job shadow someone or you have to find someone who doesn't and say, hey, can I tag along with you for a day? Um, you know, just try, see what it's like, go out there and do it. And so I did several different things trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And there were things that you're like, heck no, <laughs> like hated it. But that's not a failure. It's like Edison. There's 800 ways that we don't make light bulbs now. That's how I felt. You know, it's mm. it, just because it wasn't for me doesn't mean that I failed and wasted time. Abby's going, uh-huh. She's green. She's nodding. Yeah. Well, I think it was interesting too, is we're not, we're not talking about, um, like a job Mm-mm. or a calling. Like th- that's not what we're talking Mm-mm. about at all. Be anything. Yeah. We're talking about just something that, that just, you feel, I don't know how to describe it. Drawn to. You feel like you can sit in, mm-hmm. like it's a groove kind of thing mm-hmm. and you don't have to do it all the time, Mm-mm. but it's just like, I, I guess the term is therapeutic mm-hmm. would, would be that. And I think it's different for everyone. 
Now for you it's specifically like, and it is like your dad, it is one of those things that you feel close to God mm-hmm. because I feel like he's finding enjoyment in it. Mm-hmm. And then he's just going to kind of like nurture the soul in right. that. Some people could be just sketching. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be reading. Mm-hmm. It could be sitting out of nature. It could be fishing. It could, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know if this is true, but I would think it's kind of the, one of the first things that we start to not do. Mm. Yeah. Where we, we paralyze ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think in for your story of healing, and because I want to talk about some of these other things, right. is um, what did you find yourself being paralyzed from? Mm-hmm. So one was obviously singing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Probably worship. It, yeah. and, and we can find a lot of ways where Satan tries to get us to not do those things. It feels uncomfortable. Where do I go to church? Mm-hmm. You kind of didn't really have a home church Mm-mm. at the time Mm-mm. either. No. And then, then somebody's asking you to lead worship and you're like, I really haven't worshiped in a long time. Right. And my idiot brother-in-law is asking me to lead worship. <laughs> right. Um, and, and so there's reasons for that. So what, what, so what else? Yeah. So let's, well, you brought up the church thing. So that I would say is on my list here is that, um, find a church. That's part of the community piece, but it's also being fed. And so I, there were weekends, um, where I literally went to church twice. Like I would go to the one I ended up finding, which was a God thing in and of itself. And I'd go there Saturday night and then I'd go to my parents' church Sunday morning and I'd get prayer both times. Mm. Um, go to the front, get prayer, use the resources. I was not ashamed. And almost every time I got prayer, I walked away with a new word, a new nugget, as I would call it, um, a new little piece, um, to like hold on to, you know? And if I go back in my journal, I've got two 300 page college world journals that are completely full. Holy of, guacamole. Yeah. He's looking at one of them right now. Oh my God. Yeah. Look at this. This is the second one. I mean, almost every detail of every day when I went through that. Well, the Lord, I think the Lord told me I'm going to write a book. So I had to huh, put that <laughs> together. I, I just got arthritis looking at that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not succinct. I'm not very succinct. Yeah. I'm a very verbose person. So I wrote out paragraphs. What's verbose mean? Um, wordy. Wordy. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I should know what that word means because I am. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, that's why this podcast will be five hours. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, so yes, I got lots and lots of prayer and then I took almost everything people would speak over me and walk away with that. So one of the fruits that came of that, so I'll just move to another thing on my list was touch. So touch is my second love language and it was not my ex's love language at all. Um, I probably was touched very little for about a decade. And so I just turned it off. You don't realize you turn things off, but you do sing thing, turning singing off, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, um, went up to get prayer one evening at my church. Um, and the woman, Veronica, if you're listening, thank you. Uh, she was praying over me. And at the end, she embraced me. And, you know, it's one of those, like, you're like, blanket. Here you go, baby. Um, you're like, okay, cool. There's some nice little hug, like, pat, pat. Okay, she's still hugging me. All right, now we're moving into, did she forget to let go? Nope, <laughs> she's still going. Okay. All right, so pat, pat. Nope. Okay, we're still going. And then you get into, okay, now I feel awkward. And I've this stranger is embracing me, like, for a long time. And then it moved into, what do I do? Like, I had all this wave of emotion of, I just wanted to back away. Yeah, how do I get out of this? Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit said, stay there. It's like, okay. And in, in that moment, I just started weeping. And she kept holding me and holding me and holding me. And the Lord was like, this is a key to your healing. Here's another key. I felt like he would give me keys, like mm. these little keys that I would collect. Um, so I had a giant keychain at the end of this. And one of those keys was touch. 
And I realized like I need it. That's how I function. And I hadn't had it for so long. Even my mom who will kiss my entire face 3000 times and hold me and touch me, I wouldn't even let her do it. You know, it was like I just kind of shut it all off. And so after that, did you want to ask me a question? No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> He's a, like, <gasps> yeah, I have a comment, but I'm trying to remember it. Yeah. After that, um, I went to, when I saw my dad next, I was like, hey, dad, the Lord talked to me about this that touches a piece of my healing. So I'm going to ask you to hold my hand and hold me and hug me and rub my back and play with my hair. And, and he's like, absolutely, whatever you need, just let me know. And same thing with my mom. So when my mom would come up to me and try to kiss me a thousand times on my face, I didn't go stop like I would normally do. I stood there and I took it and it felt painful at first because I was so used to just being like, ugh, stop it. And, um, and so I would just take it. And my, you know, I told my friends, um, Becca and Nikki, they're, uh, Becca's love language is touch. So I was like, guess what? And she's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, 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 my inhale uh-huh. was what I'm hearing mm-hmm. is a rediscovery of you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A total rediscovery of you through, yeah. through that as well. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. this is actually how I was graded, uh-huh. but I was coping mm-hmm. through long-term pain. Mm-hmm. And short, short-term short trauma mm-hmm. of coping instead of – and losing myself. Absolutely. To that. Yeah. And so he's rewiring you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot of uncovering, uh, unburying. Um, I just actually played a song for Cody when he walked in called The Awakening by Amanda Cook. And um, that's how I feel. I feel like that whole journey was awakening and realizing – um, who I am. I was asleep, but you know, now my eyes are opened and I can't go back. You yeah. Know? Um, and it's, yeah, that's part of healing is just uncovering who you really are. And a lot of that was like, I even was challenged by my therapist to go ask people who knew me pre-marriage and say, what did you remember about me? Oh, that goo, that's dangerous. Yeah. That's and it, it was, it was hard to hear. Yeah. And I remember like the word that two people said was you were effervescent. And I wasn't anymore after I got married. Like that effervescence went away. It got buried. And so then it's that re- rediscovering how how do I be that way now? You know, how how does that work? And um, one of the things that Nikki said, she was like, you used to sing constantly, like in the car, at the dining room table, like no matter where we are, you were singing. And it, she was right. And I'd stopped. And so, yeah, it was it was freeing. And I had permission to go back to that. And, and my brother was a great source of that because he's known me my whole life. And I was like, so you tell me. Um, my friend Tara, she knew me before I was married um, at college. You tell me. And so I would just, I, again, curated is my word that I like to use, was just collecting all of these different pieces of what other people saw in me and then going, that's who I am. How do I get back to that? Yeah, I, this is, again, I'm just, what you're saying is striking another chord mm-hmm. here is I think that we have a tendency as parents to stifle that because stifle mm-hmm. things like that because we find them annoying, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And and even as siblings, mm-hmm. because one of the things that we deal with is Ellie. Ellie's kind of like that too. She just wants to sing all the time, dance yep. and flail herself around, <laughs> and Tate, you know, Tate's the prim and proper, sit up straight, cross your legs, right? Yep. And so he's like, Ellie, just stop singing, <laughs> just stop, right? And and as a parent, I'm like, hey, and I've caught myself instead of going, hey, stop, hey. Uh-huh. You could totally be free to do that upstairs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, because we don't want to stifle that. And I think no. as spouses. Like how do we channel it but not stifle it, right? As spouses, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
our world can do that to us. Anyway, well, I just thought that was interesting. And I think too, it, it speaks of where you're at if you're stifling someone else. It's because you know you aren't comfortable with who you are, and you don't know how to be free in in yourself. So then you stifle it in other people because you don't know how to process what they're doing because you don't you know you've locked away your own. Mm. So that's a challenge for me too as a mother is that I want Abby to be fully herself, and I don't want to not be free myself and then you know project that on her. So. To be the mother that she needs, I've got to be free. I've got to be the person that I fully am, or I'll just suppress it in her too. Wow. Um, so yeah. So what's another key? Um, another key. Let's see. I'm looking at my list. Um, my wife just got giddy when you said list. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm tempted to start crossing things out as we talk about them, but I won't. That would make me happy though. Um, <laughs> I would say um, one that I hated the most was rest. I got that word so much, like when I went to get prayer, prophetic words, um, you know, even reading in my devotionals, if it came up like resting, I was like, Mm-mm, because I am such an action results oriented person that healing became a mission for me. Like I'm going to get healed. Dang it. You know, I'm going to check it off the list. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do all the things. And so um, it became and a little bit of revenge towards the aggressor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like I, I want to be fully who I'm supposed to be so I can move on, you know? Yeah. And um, and the, the thing is, is that a big piece of healing is sometimes you got to stop and you have to just rest and trust the Lord that he's going to move you when you mm. need to be moved in the right timing and the right people. And he's orchestrating all these details in the back and you can't control it all. And so um, I honestly had to go like YouTube videos on rest, like Bill Johnson, rest, Graham Cook, rest, um, different pastors. And then just listen to him. And there's one 12 minute one that I listened to. I kid you not like 10 times because I still couldn't get it. I was like, I stink at rest. Do you, terrible at it. And I, I want to ask a clarifying question. Do mm-hmm. you think what you're talking about is different than patience? Yes. Okay. Which is the whole other right. ball of wax. And yeah. I don't know if he gave you that, that if that's a key, I, or no, but if it's kind of just built into this. Mm-hmm. But I think what, what's, we have to define the, define rest a little bit. Mm-hmm. One way to define it is it's not patience. No. Patience or waiting Mm-mm. is not what we're talking about. Mm-mm. So so define when you say rest, yeah. define rest. What exactly are you talking rest about? Rest is um, self-care partly, which I'm not very good at. So it was, hey, Ooh. let's let's go on a – what? Did, so did God, did God force you to discover self-care? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's good. He did. I mean, it was like – Go get massages. Go, um, you know, when you're in trauma, you really, your body is freaking out. Like emotional, psychological, and spiritual trauma all translate to physical, which I'll get to that too. There's a physical aspect to my healing as well. But um, yeah, I definitely had to take breaks and like my mom made me go away for a spa weekend and I, I, I would struggle with mom, I don't know how to rest. Like I, right now, all I want to do is, is get on my knees and pray for my marriage. And she's like, you have to trust the Lord that. He's going to handle what he needs to handle and you can take a break. Like there are angels fighting on your behalf right now. Why don't you just let them and just breathe, you know, just mm. go get a massage, get a pedicure, stop thinking about it, eat ice cream, like whatever it is, which I can't do anymore. We'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, it, self-care was part of the rest piece okay. was releasing and just trusting. Hi. She's laying on the couch going, hi. Um, that was happy. part of rest. I think the other part is not controlling control is a big thing for me so um the root of control is fear so you can't rest and fear at the same time you can't rest and fear at the same time no uh-huh. 
yeah. Yeah, because when you're in fear, you're trying to control stuff. When you're trying to control things, you're not resting. You're not trusting him. So trust and rest have some synonymous uh, characteristics, I think, between the two as well. It's good. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to meditate on that for a little bit. Yeah. In a couple, the next couple of days. That's good. Okay. I was like, do you want to meditate while I'm quiet or do you want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> not right now because Abby will fall asleep. Yeah, she looks like she's about to. Yeah. She's um, sticking her tongue out of me. So another piece was the physical piece, which I think we just um, were talking about. And so, you know, post-pregnancy, my body, when, when you're pregnant, your body functions at the highest level it possibly can because it's growing another life, right? So my body was, despite the fact that I wasn't eating very well and that, thank goodness for my community. I mean, my sister-in-law, Rachel, added me to her meal plan and would bring me food every week. Hmm. Um, and I know. Every time we were over here, somebody was bringing food. Yeah. That's because... My midwife was like, um, you're losing weight. I don't think you're supposed to do that when you're pregnant. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, again, they took care of me. But um, so post-pregnancy, I had several physical stuff, physical things happen, um, one of which was gallbladder attacks. I was in the ER January of 2018. Mm. Um, I actually had dinner with you all <laughs> that n- the night before, and then I had a 24-hour gallbladder attack to where they were like, um you need to have your gallbladder removed. And I was like, absolutely not because the anesthesia would have ended my milk supply and Abby was only like three or four months old. And I was like, not, not, not happening. And so my brother um, has a chiropractor that he's like applied kinesiologist, chiropractor, but also does spiritual healing. Um, he's into like freedom ministry and um, really listens to the Lord. He sounds cr- like a whack job. <laughs> yeah. But um, mm-hmm. my brother was like, what do you have to lose? My sweet, sweet brother took me to the ER, was sitting in there for six hours with me. He was toting my milk back and forth after I pumped in like these weird waiting rooms. You know, it was just, it was a crazy day. And I'm sitting there doubled over in pain for 24 hours straight. And um, so he's like, what do you have to lose? Call him and schedule an appointment. And I'm like, okay. So I scheduled it because I'm like, I'm not having a surgery. So I go into this appointment two weeks later. I've been in dull pain for two weeks waiting for this appointment, refusing to have the surgery. And Dr. Burnley, um, he's like, so basically I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to tell me what's going on with you. Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it spiritual? Is it nutritional? Is it um, parasitic? Like he has these whole list he goes through. And, you know, and I'm thinking this sounds crazy, but okay. I'm At this point, I'll do anything, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, he asked the Lord... Um, a couple of things. And so what we boiled it down to is that it was spiritual and emotional. And, um, he, he led me through the prayers of, Hey, you asked, <laughs> he asked me to pray and say, Holy spirit, what is this? And I, in, in my mind's eye saw the word rejection in all caps. And I was like, Ooh, okay. So this is a physical manifestation of an emotional rejection, which obviously, right. We know I was dealing with that. So he walked me through a prayer. He walked me through basically releasing it, coming out of agreement with it, replacing it with acceptance and adoption and pure love from the Lord and all this stuff. And then he actually physically adjusted my gallbladder, which, what? (laughs) Okay, I'm, yeah. Have I lost you yet? (laughs) Have I lost all the listeners? Don't worry, I was as confused as you all are. Um, So that was January. There's a doctor out there that just twitched. (laughs) Yeah, for my medical doctors. I don't know what to tell you, but it worked. So I walked out of there January 15th, 2018, and I haven't had a single gallbladder pain since. Mm. I was healed. So that's one piece of my physical healing. Um, so that just goes to show that your 
that just goes to show that your your body and your spirit and your mind and your will and your emotions and all of that is all intertwined. So if you're going through a time of healing, your body is going to have to do something. Like you can't get it through all of it without dealing with that piece of it. So everything's so intertwined. Um, so in addition to that, I started losing so much hair, more than you do postpartum. It was more than normal. I went and saw a doctor and it was like, okay, what's going on? She's like, yeah, this isn't normal. Pulled blood work. Um, your body is supposed to have like nine antibodies. Mine had 900. Um, she was like, rock on. Yeah. So my body was attacking my thyroid and, um, she said, this is normal post-pregnancy. It's also normal post-trauma. 80% of people who have Hashimoto's have gone through a major trauma. So it was like all playing out physically at this point, right? I'm like, I thought I was good. No, I'm not. And so it started a huge journey that I'm still on right now of physical healing um, and dealing with the trauma, not only of the immediate major trauma that happened in 2017, but also just like you said, it was a slow breakdown, a slow process like that frog being boiled in water for a decade. And it was like, all coming to a head like I had to deal with it and I'd been ignoring it for a decade and so now I've been on this journey um and like in January I just decided I want to run a 5k I've never run a day in my life I mean <laughs> maybe if a bear was chasing me but ath- you know being athletic was never one of my things um I've I was known in- you since you're 15 it was not no <laughs> never um so I signed up for a 5k with my sweet friend Nikki thank god again community you know and having people who rally around you and I just started doing couch to 5K and my friends bought a running stroller for me because they're wonderful. And um, and we just started doing it three days a week. And then this last Saturday, I ran a 5K um, and enjoyed it and didn't die. You know, it's like <laughs> sweet. So again, a big piece of it, a f- physical healing. It's still going. And in the last mile, I was running by myself and I started running faster than the first two miles. And I just felt and it's a color run. So I'm covered in colored paint, you know, and um, I just felt like the Lord said, this is your spring winter's over mm. and it's only a few days after spring anyway, like right. literally um, winter's over and your life is now full of color. And um, whereas I, I don't know if you remember this, I used to wear just all black and Navy and gray. Like I had no color in my closet, no pattern really. No, uh-uh. and no color in my home. Like my couch was Brown and my, everything else was gray, like so boring. But if you look at the transformation of even that, and I'm sitting there covered in paint grinning you know as big as you can running that last mile faster than the first two going oh my gosh you're so faithful you know even in this this like I didn't think of it as a piece of my healing signing up for a 5k I just thought of it as I want to master something I want to I want to accomplish a goal this year and even that he was like nope this is a piece of it too this was one of the keys so two things that I'm observing through all of this Mm -hmm. is you talked about earlier, you talked about going, go down front for prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay. You talked about going to community mm-hmm. is you're, you're talking about that. Um, and even, I mean, I can say this walking through with you being part of that community. Um, the sheer weight of every single thing that kept coming. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing too, is that, it, you know, being a part of that community, there was things that you were choosing to do that I may not necessarily, I was like, that seems a little, not too far, but just kind of like, I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm not stopping. I'm going no. for my healing. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, that was key. Mm-hmm. Not one of the keys that God gave you, but I think that was key too. Mm-hmm. So do you have another key? Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's funny that you're bringing up, um, 
you know, is there too much healing? Can you pursue it too much? <laughs> so, um, so about a year and a half ago, so my church has a freedom ministry or inner healing ministry. So if anyone, um, I would highly encourage you to look into that with your church or other surrounding churches. Um, some churches call it Sozo, some Kairos, mine calls it freedom ministry. There's all kinds of different kinds, but, um, so I, I had a freedom session a year and a half ago or so. And the same woman who facilitated that one facilitated my most recent one about two months ago. And so she's seen me, you know, a year and a half ago and she saw me recently. And um, so that would encourage you to do that, too, because a therapist is wonderful. Like there is a psychological aspect that you have to deal with. But there's also you have a spirit man, too. And a lot of times people forget that piece. And so um, being able to balance both, like dealing with trauma and doing therapy and EMDR, like there is a place for that. But there's also a place where I have to deal with what's going on with my spirit man and how it's been wounded and lies that I believe and things like that. So I would say that's that was a key, a huge key. And I've, I think I've done three freedom sessions in the last two years. Um, and I'm, I think I'm going to continue to do it like at least every six months just for cleanup housekeeping. But so when I did my last one a couple months ago, same woman, her name's Donna. And um, she was like, can I just tell you that you're not even the same human? <laughs> she was like, holy cow, you've done a 180. And it was really encouraging to hear that. And she goes, but I also want to say that at this point, with the level of pursuit that you're doing with your healing, she's like, it can be, it, be, it can become an obsession and an idol. And she's like, I think you need to just enjoy the season that you're in. Oh, wow. And that was huge wow. to hear that. Yeah. For someone yeah. to encourage me to maybe not obsess. Um, so I'd rather have that correction than, you know, Hey, you haven't done any wow. healing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I would say, um, inner healing is definitely a key, um, for sure that the Lord gave me. Um, also going back to talking about the victim mentality, um, those of you who have gone through trauma, even if you didn't deal with it the right way the first time, doesn't mean you can't go back. You still need freedom from it. Right. So that trauma, whether it was yesterday or 10 years ago, is an opportunity. It's an invitation from the Lord. It's an invitation to grow, to seek more freedom, and also an invitation to help others. Like, I'm at the point now where I have no problem talking about my story. It doesn't hurt anymore because the Lord has brought me through so much healing. Now, I want to use it for other people. Well, and I've I've shared this with, uh, I mean, God put this on my heart, that I don't think we can have healing from our pain until our pain has a purpose. Mm, yes, absolutely. And and so a lot of times when we're crying out in pain mm -hmm. is God give it purpose. Mm -hmm. This hurts. If you can give it meaning, mm -hmm. I will feel better. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of that meaning mm -hmm. comes after someone else is walking in the same boat. Right. And you can go and you're going, I know exactly what that's like. Mm -hmm. Take my hand mm -hmm. and we'll take the first and I'll take your first step with you. Right. Because I may be on my second, mm -hmm. but I'll take your first step with you, mm -hmm. and and so when God gives meaning to pain, I think then then we have in purpose to it. We we start to have healing, but that comes from submitting, going, okay, God, mm -hmm. if I'm victim, I'm just laying here, right? But if right. I'm active and yeah. I'm, there's movement, mm -hmm. I'm asking you to dis help me discover the purpose of this. Absolutely. And I'm not talking about everything happens for a reason. No. That contrite statement. I agree. I don't think everything happens for a reason. I don't. Um, but I do think that God uses everything. He wastes nothing. He can use anything. 
And that's what he's so resourceful. <laughs> you know, there's there's pieces of my trauma that now I see coming full circle. The Lord's using it. And I'm like, I don't think that was his plan originally, but I think that he's so quick to adjust and he's so resourceful and he's so creative that anything that's happened, he's going to use it, you know, if you let him. Mm. And I think being a victim makes the healing process just take longer. And it also makes you go through cycles. So if you want to cycle back through what you've been through and you want to repeat that cycle, then be a victim because you will. (laughs) You'll just, you'll wake up a year to five years from now and you'll be right back in the same place. Um, But when you can choose not to be a victim and you can move forward as a victor instead, um, you'll, you'll see your healing accelerate and then have that purpose you're talking about. And, um, and again, I keep speaking in lyrics and songs because that was part of my healing too is music and lyrics but there's a christine demarco song that says i'm i'm not a victim so go listen to it um but um you know i'm i'm not an orphan i'm not a poor man like those are all in that song it's like i am none of those things that from the outside looking in people would look at me and think oh my gosh like that poor woman you know and i i've got i'd never in my life been pitied so much and i hate being pitied but um at this like i i had the opportunity to show them like Yes, this is as bad as it looks, but here's what I want to do with it. Here's the jumping off point that I can use it for. So this leads to my, do you have other keys? Cause I have one last question. Mm, I'm looking at my list. Something that you want to cover before I ask my last question. Um, yeah, there's go ahead. Okay. Um, so there's, there's two more things. Um, one is, and this I have a life coach, so I just hired her a couple months ago. Again, it's it's more of a bookend. It's towards the end. It's more the practical piece of what do you do after divorce? How do you process it? How do you release them? Which how do you healthy. forgive them? Yes. A lot of people just... Mm-hmm. Yep. And she's been hugely key because my therapist is all about helping me find healing from the past. My life coach is really how do we move forward practically? What are the actions we take every day? What's our to-do list to reach our goals and our passions? And so her book called Divorce with Grace, her name's Lori Anderson, um, it talks about releasing that other person. And so I've been doing a lot of releasing work, forgiveness work. I actually wrote um, Abby's father a letter, um, fully releasing him, forgiving him, asking him to forgive himself. Because at this point, we got to move forward. We have to co-parent. We got to be friends, you know, um, to do what's best for her. Um, so anyways, I would I would recommend someone who can give that practical um application of what does healing look like in action what does moving forward with your life look like in action so whether you're going through a divorce situation or not um, having someone kind of give you clarity is huge clarity is a big deal um so i would say she's been a huge key but again it's at the tail end right it's a year and a half two years in i i wouldn't have been able to do anything that she and i are doing right now a year ago you know and so again it's part of that process in all of this you've talked about god providing healing and before one of the, one of the things that I find amazing is that God, what God's done in my life is helped with the concept of you're not damaged goods, right? Because yeah. that that can paralyze us, right? Um, and that can even come from our own wounds, our own self-inflicted wounds. Mm-hmm. And you talked about God providing your healing. So my daughter, I go, 
you know, I, she's just goofy. She's nuts. She's crazy. <laughs> she right? is. And she, she's effervescent. Oh, super. <laughs> and so uh, she's extra. Yeah, she's lucky. She's a lucky charms all rolled into <laughs> yeah. one. So I looked at her I, like lately, the last couple of months, I've looked at her and be like, hey, she'll be doing something effervescent. I'm like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, I'm a child of God. <laughs> you know, kind of being a smart aleck. But yeah. she's like, I'm a child of God, a daughter. <laughs> of the king <laughs> being funny right yeah. and so um but in that uh-huh. wh- where was your where was where was your view of god mm-hmm. and how has god worked on his view of you mm. yeah. through all of this because it's had to have wandered oh yeah if you tell me it didn't wander i'm gonna call bs no i definitely had to walk through a process of figuring out what misconceptions or ideas I had about him or how he felt about me. I mean, even now I'm still working through that. You know, um, the other day I was, I was asking the Lord, like, what do you think about me right now? Like waiting for a correction, waiting for him to be like, Hey, you're moving too fast here. You're doing this wrong. And the only thing he said to me is I'm so proud of you. And I was like, I don't know how to receive that. You know, like I'm waiting for uh, another directive, you know, like here's your next step, do it. You know, and it was because there was so much of me learning how to be obedient throughout the whole process and him telling me to do things that I sure as heck didn't want to do. And there were definitely moments where two in the morning, I'm standing at the end of my bed weeping, saying, please don't make me, please don't make me, please don't make me. And then I did it anyway. Um, But so now to just hear that and that's it. You know, and then there was another day that um, my mom was like, the Holy Spirit is really wanting to speak to you. He just wants you to ask him more. Like he's not going to just force it on you like he did when you were in survival mode. Now it's about the relationship and the invitation and the back and forth. So she was encouraging me to. Yeah. She, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You might have just extended this podcast <laughs> a lot longer. I know. I got to go pick up my Kroger click list. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. No, it's OK. No, OK. So. uh Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind with a question. <laughs> so what do you do in your relationship with God? The purpose of it feels like it changes mm-hmm. because you just said survival mode and mm-hmm. your relationship with God was wrapped around mm-hmm. this rescue mm-hmm. and restoration mm-hmm. and discovery. And now it, it leaves that trauma mode. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you find a, I'm just kind of done with God for a little bit because I'm like, it's been so saturated mm-hmm. or have yeah, you, have you felt question. a transition in that? Yeah, there was definitely a transition. So especially when I was pregnant because I didn't have a child to distract me and, and, you know, rule my life, but I would spend hours. I stopped watching TV. All I had was worship music on. I would spend hours literally like snotting into my carpet in my bedroom, like weeping uncontrollably journaling, praying it was like I had the Holy Spirit on tap like it was an IV in my arm Mm. at all times that's how I survived and so then once I had her all my attention shifted right as it should you're a new mother and I'm still dealing with the trauma I'm still going through all the stuff but this time now there's a baby I'm trying to figure out breastfeeding I'm trying to figure out all this stuff you know and um, I remember telling my therapist like I feel like that constant flow is gone now like what happened where where did it go and she's like it's still there now you've got to go to it it's like at one point you had waves crashing over you now you've got a still sweet pond still the sustenance still the water still the everything you need there but now you've got to walk up to it and drink and it takes a little bit more action so that moment part. that was a moment for you mm-hmm. I, I just realized lots that that, of transitions that could be a yes. moment for someone or feeling like when I was, yes it, how my relationship with god and mm-hmm. how the holy spirit's it's it's 
he's going to give you what you need. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when it starts to feel distant, it's not distant. It's just evolving. It's transitioning. It's, transition, mm-hmm. it's changing. So mm-hmm. don't don't get in the middle of healing and have it transition to something else and yes. go, oh, where's God in all this? Right. Exactly. He's just inviting you into a different level and a different place with him. And it's maturity, right? You go from glory to glory. So, you know, when I was in the worst of the worst, he knew what I needed then and he knew I didn't have the capacity to find him. He was like, here I am. I'm just going to dump what you need on you. But now he's inviting me into a greater level of maturity where it's more of a back and forth. And now I'm in a place where like even the singing thing singing and worshiping was for healing and in recent months he's he's spoken to me about now it's for destiny and my future and so I'm still pursuing it but in a totally different way it's no longer like I have to do this so that I can function it's now a Lord what does my ministry look like what does my future look like um how will I use this gift forever you know Mm. maybe full time I have no idea what that looks like but I'm pursuing it which Mm -hmm. four years ago Mm mm-hmm didn't exist no not at all not at all which is a shame it, i'm just I know. gonna tell you that. cody i know you've been mad at me <laughs> i just got emotional <laughs> well i mean i can say that you sorry have, it's okay <laughs> but you've been key in me getting back to that like you've <laughs> you've opened up the opportunities like had i not and and if you look and another thing i want to speak to is part of those processes those baby steps you know um, uh, there's a, some lyrics I want to read um, that are from Stephanie Gretzinger, a song called Oxygen. And it says, you are my oxygen. You're making me want to live again. Sometimes my very best is only my weakest. Yes. You see strength in every movement, baby steps, short breaths, anything is progress. <laughs> so, mm. you know, singing in youth group was my first thing, right? It's like a bunch of little kids that probably don't give a crap about what I'm singing you know they're like whatever and then moving into big church once every three four months and now connections I've made in that community like Chad and I led worship well now he's he he helped me plug in at um, a different church that's yep. sort of affiliated and now they've asked me to join a rotation team I forgot to tell you about that by the way oh that's awesome yeah they called me and asked me if I would join um sing like once a month and um yeah so anyways I say that to say that all these little baby steps they have connecting points and then it's like all these seeds get planted and then when you're ready the Lord will then pull that opportunity up and so again I encourage people to take baby steps like sometimes you're like this is such a small beginning and it may seem pointless just do it anyway and I think I think what was key too is you didn't shut off voices Mm -mm. I, I don't think you shut off I mean the positive voices in your community Mm -mm. you didn't belittle them no and you didn't you didn't push back on any any help. Mm-hmm. You know, your relationship with Allison has grown tremendously. Yes. Um, and that's and that was based on her not stopping and mm-hmm. you not pushing away. Mm-hmm. Um, our our friendship has grown. Mm-hmm. And those things that you're talking about, I I'm kind of annoying. So I'm like, hey, you're gonna do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, will you do this? But you're gonna do this. <laughs> yeah. And 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 um, because I feel like. I like to pull out what's best in people. Right. Um, that what God's done in them and has them for. for. Yeah. And so, um, but it didn't, it didn't ever feel like you pushed any of the community away. In, well, at some ever. point you have to realize that when you've arrived at a place of deep trauma, whether it's your fault or not, there are things that led up to that that made me not trust myself. Obviously I allowed myself to get to this point. So, good. so when you, you need to realize, and again, it's that letting pride go. It's being humble enough to say, what's wrong? It's being humble enough to say something got me here. 
I can, again, being a victim is saying they did it to me, which again, there was some truth to that. It was done to me, but there's also a large degree of things that I did to allow that to get to that point. So I didn't trust myself fully. So when you don't trust yourself, you say, hey, community, you all know me, you all love me. So I'm going to lean into what you're all seeing um, until I can see it for myself. And now I've gotten to a point where I don't like, you know, hang on every word everyone else says, but I did for a while and I had to. Um, real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I said this is the last question like five times. So <laughs> I know you got to go to Kroger. You got to go to the zoo. I need to give Aggie, Abby hugs. Yeah. Like a lot while you go to Kroger. Okay. Um, did you, did you have a friendship that was there for the moment, but now has started to fade? It was there in the trauma for that and started to fade. Um, not a, Yes, but not any of my dear close friends. Like there were, uh, when I first started going through it, I, I was looking for a church, right? I was like desperate for a church. Um, that was a specific culture that had the healing aspect to it. And so I called this random pastor and was like, hey, dude, what's your church about? And he was like, well, we actually aren't meeting anymore, but can I pray for you? I'm like, mm, yeah. And so he's praying over me and he's like, um, he had a prophetic word. He was like, the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's going to put women in your life who have been through what you've been through to undergird you and, and help you walk through this. And I was like, cool, whatever. Um, and then he did though. I mean, person after person. So there's people that I went to lunch with consistently spoke with consistently that now I don't, but I it's, it's because they were needed for that period and that season. And, and I think that's, when, that's important for people who are going through mm-hmm. pain and, and healing to understand that God's going to bring people just for that moment. Yep. And you don't have to romanticize the mm-hmm. friendships or mm-hmm. hold on to them as yep. they're starting to go, mm-hmm. but also look for new ones that mm-hmm. may be just for that moment. Right. And, and, and in all of that too, you didn't, I didn't feel much of a victim. Mm-mm. I felt like you dealt, there, there was pain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, there was breakdown moments, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean victim, no. right? You weren't trying to be too strong no. and fake your way through it, but you also were always open. Mm-hmm. Um, I know your mom, your dad, myself, Allison, um, Cole, mm-hmm. Rachel, my brother. Yeah. Uh, even, even everything being your community, they weren't always just saying the sweetest things to you. No, there was, no. I was real truths mm-hmm. in there. Um, and so look for, look for those. Yeah. And I think you were open, open to whatever God mm-hmm. wanted to do, which we're in, when we're in pain and in trauma, mm-hmm. we want to recluse, we want to turtle. Right. Well, and also there's an aspect of sometimes they weren't right, you know, and they, they would, fortunately my community, I um, wasn't always right. Shocker. <laughs> fortunately, my community was good enough at boundaries to say, this is what I feel, but I, I trust your Holy Spirit, you know, meter there. And so there were times where I would take something and I'd weigh it for a few days or weeks and say, Lord, this advice sounds right, but what do you want? And there were times that I did not have a piece about it. And so I would go with what I felt the Lord wanted me to do, even if it was contradictory. Um, and I'm glad I did because there were times that it, it wouldn't have been the right thing. And, and I think even with me, there were things that I would say that you were like, well, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And, but I knew, mm-hmm. I knew that, you were going to go pray about it mm-hmm. and, and probably disagree with me. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because you knew it was for you. Yeah. And and you and I have had to navigate. A, I almost said a word that was that was the wrong way to describe it. But just a difficulty because the role that that the mm-hmm. whole thing put me in. Mm-hmm. And and but it never. Phone. There was always a genuine to it and and we didn't always agree Mm -mm. um but it never it never got in the way but we also respected each other's positions like 
you couldn't imagine being in my position. I couldn't imagine being in yours. So it was more of a processing. Like we were both just processing out loud. That's and, true. And it wasn't necessarily a, you do this or you do, you know, it was just more of a, uh, how do I process this? And you know what? Also your community did a really good job. And this was advice for people. Your community never tried to fix very often. Mm -mm. I don't remember anybody trying to fix. Mm -mm. Your dad may have tried to fix a couple of times, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about. Um, uh, <laughs> um, I think everybody was just like his fix would have been illegal. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think there was. I think there was help, but not yeah. fixing. Well, there's support. It was at the end of the day. What I would hear from people was whatever you feel. Hi, baby. Buddy. Yeah. Do you need a buddy? Is that what you're saying? But I think that at the end of the day, it was here's what we think. But whatever you decide, here, honey, here's your phone. But whatever you decide, we're going to support. That was the message I received. And so people trusted the Holy Spirit in me enough. And I think that may not always be the case. I've seen people go through trauma who they really just needed someone to step in and be like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, this is bad. You're destructive. Like, we got to come in and take some control. But I, my community didn't have to do that. So the message I heard the most was, um, here's what I think, but whatever you decide, we'll support. And, and I, that, and that, in a way, was great, and in a way, was scary. What's wrong, baby? Well, I think I think the reason that's 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 great and scary is mm -hmm. because you weren't you weren't um, artificially being propped up. No. Mm -mm. Because then it's not a discovery of you again. No. It's it's relying on someone else to mm -hmm. tell you if you're healed. Mm -hmm. Relying on someone else to tell you if you're okay. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying like you're okay, you're gonna make it okay. An encouragement, you know, mm -hmm. or or calling out and what God has created you to be. That's not what I'm talking about. But you mm -hmm. can be artificially propped up in yes. pain by your support system because they're feeding you, mm -hmm. and you're not discovering who you are and relying mm -hmm. on God. Mm -hmm. Which then, if they leave or it dissolves a little bit, mm -hmm. you end up fragile and broken and right. back in an unhealthy relationship, mm -hmm. which is a whole nother topic or whatever. Right. At that which point. I think is why I would circle back to it's so important to have unbiased third party, like inner healing ministry at your church. Those people don't know you or they might know you a little bit, but they're going to be, their whole goal is to help foster what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. A therapist is going to be doing what's best for you. A life coach is going to be helping you find clarity, whether it's with your family or despite your family, you know? <laughs> and so that's why, and I really respected that my family all respected that too. Like I'd be like, nope, this is what my therapist is saying. And it's contradictory to what you all think. And I am going to go with what she's saying because I feel a piece about it. And they're like, got it. Awesome. You know, like they, they were glad that I had some voices outside of them because they were just as emotionally damaged as I was in some ways. Like Absolutely. they were, they were reeling from trauma and they had to know that they were going through that and, and they would deal with it with each other because they were very careful about how I heard their, their trauma. But they, I mean, a lot of times if your family's going through it with you, they may not be the best source of actual literal advice. They may be great for support because they're, they're trying to figure out how to process themselves. And so, um, you know, and, and it triggered, even in my parents, it triggered old wounds for them that they then started going to their own counselor again because they're trying to process <laughs> through their old wounds because of how it's being triggered from my situation. And so I was really thankful for, for them doing that. I'm like, please deal with your own stuff too, you know, in addition to me dealing with mine. So yeah, it, it created a ripple effect for sure. I think the biggest key that, that, you know, that I've seen in your story is movement. Yeah. Never stop. It's, it's those baby steps. It's, one step at a time. Like I said, if you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. 
Um, and that was something I didn't know how to do because I either I'm like I said, I make things missions and I run after them and I couldn't like when you're in that much trauma, you can't. And so it was really just the lesson of what can you do if it's literally just you got you took a shower today. Um, great. You know, and sometimes it's as simple as that. And then when you do that and you have those little bitty mile markers then you can get to the big stuff like a 5k two years later you know but that uh, that was a big thing for me some of you are like that's only 3.1 miles Tara I know I know um, <laughs> but yes it so I think the big word at the end of this conversation is process and I hate that word most of us do we don't like process we want to arrive and you won't there's never an arrival point and even now like I've started a new season of my life where um, I don't think it's a secret I don't really talk about it a lot but I started the dating process again part of the encouragement from my therapist and my mom and it was you know you're ready am I am I really are you sure um, but even that now is uncovered new insecurities I didn't realize were there um, new fears now, working through that process, how do you do relationship with someone new when you have only literally had one person in your life, your entire adult life? You know, there's so much that goes into that, but mm. it's still part of the process. I'm still going through healing and new things are still getting little flashlights on them. And I'm like, ooh, that's ugly. Let's deal with that, you know? And so I still go to therapy once a month. I probably, I honestly don't know when I'll stop. Like, I need her so much um, to help me weather through going back to work as a mother. You know, there's just, there's always something. And so I will tell you that it's a process and it's a never ending one. And once you can settle into that and know that you won't just arrive at healing and mm. you'll continually have to pursue it, um, you'll be better off, you know. But thank you so much. I know you've got to go. You've got a big day ahead. And I just appreciate your transparency and your openness. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for taking the time to listen. I appreciate it. Again, like always, you can leave comments, questions, um, or you're like, that didn't make any sense. What are you talking about? Because <laughs> a lot of times I never know what I'm talking about. And uh, leave that in there. I really, really appreciate it. Please share. Uh, and if you have questions, a lot of the topics that we talk about come from questions that you've had. And again, thank you so much. And we hope you have a great day. <laughs>